Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Philipchuk, alongside Pat Shaw, and today we've got another very special guest with us. He has been involved with the Kitchen Table TCG team. He was actually the founder of the uh, FAB Competitive Hub, and he's also the commissioner of the FAB Team League. May I introduce Tyler Broaden? Hello, hello. How's it going, man? Welcome to the pod, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, you know, uh, before we before we make Tyler give us the uh, his full origin story here, Adam, how how you doing? I'm doing good. I uh, I haven't been playing as much in armory events and things like that lately. Been re rediversifying my time, putting uh, more time into the podcast, and putting more time into just quality testing and uh, into well, uh, I, and I guess actually I haven't even had a chance to to talk about this part since everything's kind of happened so quickly. But uh, I do have a team in the team league, team West Coast Best Coast, and uh, a lot of I'm. I somehow managed to be appointed the captain for the team. Still trying to understand how that happened, but uh, I'm enjoying the challenge. You're, you're a celebrity. That's why. You're, you're one hey, half of the combat chain podcast. With, with, you know what, though? With some of the names we have on the team, I feel like I am but a mere nobody amongst giants in some ways. But yeah, so between between podcast and my own competitive endeavors, uh, it's getting harder and harder to get out to um, to the casual events. Which is, on the one end, like I mean, I it's good to be focusing on the right things. But on the other on the other end, you know, I've got friends that I I, I miss seeing, and you know, there's there's a community that's been developed there too. So it's it's bittersweet. But it does seem like there's a there's a bit of a common thread between everyone who is getting ready specifically for the pro tour that their like their usual little XP grind seems to be dropping off in favor of quality quality matches internally and uh, you know only coming out if they know that they're they're going to have some some productive like CC matches coming out. There's there seems to be a huge contingent of uh, pro tour qualified people that also have like skip skips uh, skirmish season. There's not actually like a ton of ton of blitz happening at the highest levels uh, these days. So kind of kind of wonky timing uh, with that. But I suppose it does open the door a little bit for some of the that casual player base to come in. And there's always going to be uh you know the some top tier guys at these skirmishes there but i i've just noticed in you know in our in our circles here it does seem like there's uh there's definitely a concentration on that uh you know quality over quantity um you know, match up that stuff that's happening there yeah and I, you know what i'm sure as the game progresses and develops that you you're going to see more of a delineation between the pro scene and the casual scene because mm-hmm. there's going to be enough pro events happening throughout the year that the pros can focus on those meanwhile the casuals will play you know the skirmishes and the pro quests and those things and and i i think probably that's part of what LSS intends to see in the 
the later phases of this game is to see that delineation happen and allow the the skirmishes to remain a little more casual it'd be that that top end tier one event but not come with the same level of pressure that pro tour comes with and um yeah i i I think there's definitely something there where you know pro quests from here on out will probably have less I mean, they're already ProQuest season two is already looking like it's going to have significantly less prize support uh, going into it. So I think there's definitely a little less incentive uh, from the people who already have, you know, ELO and PTIs and things of that nature coming into the next, you know, coming into that next Pro Tour. Yeah. And especially with Jersey being a uh, 64, is it? Because they do for tier three events, it's a uh, the modifier for Elo is thirty two k, I think, is the factor they use or something like that. I was just looking at this recently, and then for things like Pro Tour and Worlds, it's sixty four instead. If somebody goes on a on a decent run at Jersey, like it, that is very possible that they can just shoot up the rankings. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm I think there still will be some sort of qualification based invite system for for france where 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 i my guess i don't know if they're gonna go to elo this time i have a hard time seeing them do xp twice um i really don't Mm -hmm. know what they're gonna do for this one but i I have a feeling they're gonna do something you're right i think you definitely you you, there's definitely a mechanism there has to be a mechanism in place after pro tour one right where the, the previous participants as long as they've reached a high enough level will be eligible for pro tour too. Otherwise you don't have a professional circuit, which I think yeah. is what they're trying to, you know, trying to get at here. So I'm, I'm pretty, you'll probably see the top 64, 128, whatever the cutoff is, right. The day two makes pro tour two kind of deal. Maybe, you know, maybe not that mm. open depending on what the numbers are, but there's going to be a cutoff point where you're, you're going to invite everybody at a certain level over there because that's going to be your your professional pool right yeah that's that's those are your guys that are going to be like your top tier pros at that point so you got to move them at least into the next give them an opportunity at least to get into the next pro tour so that they can continue on that journey yeah uh yeah i think I think they're going to do something like that. It's just a matter of what. And I think we're going to find out pretty soon here because they said uh, when they announced France initially, they said that we should have all the details within the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, Tyler, what do you what do you think about having XP as a qualifier for the Pro Tour? First of all, uh, I've been grinding my butt off the past few months. Um, online mm-hmm. armory events, in-person armory events, going to all the skirmishes I can. Because I knew that the first... In my head, I knew that the first Pro Tour was going to be XP invites. So my goal was to be as high as I can in XP, so I can qualify through XP as the Pro Tour. And luckily my game will paid off, and all that hard work paid off, um, because I was in the top 100 lifetime of XP. So I played ProQuest season not having to worry about if I, were, if I could win or not, because I was, already, I was already going to qualify. But I still don't think there's been enough events that have had ELO around the world for them yeah. to move on to ELO so fast. Um, I'm expecting them to finish out the whole year um, with XP invites um, and then move to ELO starting next next year. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that means even like the first worlds, I expect to be XP invites as well. Just because Whoa. there hasn't been, 
opportunities for people around the world to earn elo um and this year there are some but there's not a whole lot and so you're telling uh, me i have a chance Exactly. <laughs> and maybe maybe I'm just biased because I am in the top hundred and I mm-hmm. want that to be the case, right? So I don't have to qualify, use a PTI to go to um, Worlds, but I think they keep it at, at XP for the, throughout this year, and then next year they'll start rolling out Elo-based invites. I do I do think that there is there is merit to an XP-based invite. There, I mean, there you have to give the people who grind an incentive to to do so and i don't think you can hold it against them i do know that there's there is like a a section of player out there that uh, feels like it's it's somehow disrespectful or disingenuous to the game to maximize like their armory x you know xp and you know grind these pro quests and skirmishes for the ev and the in the xp going into it but it's really and it's this, if you have the opportunity to do it, that's what it's there for. Then there's always going to be a spectrum. We touched on this a, a few episodes ago, but I mean, X, XP is there. XP is what makes uh, the competitive aspect of Flesh and Blood accessible to your player, to the like to every player. If you can gain that XP, you have access to certain things, and it it is uh, one of the funnest times I've had playing Flesh and Blood was into like december into january i i got into you know the the top 290 day and then the top 150 and then i was you know i wanted to grind and just seeing my numbers you know go up closer and closer to the top 100 was incentive enough and at the time everyone was like why are you even bothering with your xp there's nothing to work on here and then bam you know they're like hey by the way pro tour is xp based it's like yeah uh yeah. But it was even before that, it was, you know, it's it's fun to see that knowing that, you know, they had I know they did like Road to Nationals and in a few other high level events where that XP matters, you know, so it's always it is, if they keep that relevant, it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't know. I think XP based, it may be lifetime XP, um, but, you know, so something as high scale as, as like World Championship, I might have. You know that that I imagine they'll do something like magic, where it ends up being like a small small group invite only pro tour top eight pro tour of X Y and Z, and you have like a 24 32 player pool or something like that, and then all of a sudden you know, and then they're playing a a, a wraith block constructed blitz in you know CC and alpha draft or some some sure. crap like that to get into. You know, in the you know the world championship finals is yeah. some chaos thing. They're gonna do something like that, I'm sure. All right, we have gone <laughs> the longest intro in the history of the pod. We, we're, we fell off the rails. I gotta get the record crew in here to bring it back onto the rails. We're going to talk about the news. We have we have some hot news items uh, this week. I think the big one. Um, well, not necessarily the biggest one, but we have a spoiler. We have the oh. Dorinthia specialization card spoiled. It is Glistening Steel Blade. It is a Dorinthia specialization. So Glistening Steel Blade uh, is a one-cost yellow pitch majestic Dorinthia specialization. It says your next dawn blade attack this turn has go again whenever dawn blade hits a hero this turn put a plus one attack counter on it 
Go again. It blocks for three. It's a warrior action. This is already causing a little uh, controversy in in talking circles. Um, I don't know why, but apparently you're not supposed to have playable cards in pre-constructed decks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I like it. I know that. I think Especially it's good. a card that's exclusive to pre-constructed decks. I mean, people are going to have to buy the decks, break them open just to sell the card and get their hands on a card, but I don't know, I like it too. Um, my my take on it is that I'm not so sure it's as good as everyone's thinking it is. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it doesn't it doesn't buff the weapon in, initially, mm-hmm. and without doing that, it's going to be easier to block out the Dawn Blade that turn um, and avoid those counters to go on. But pair that with Iron Song and Termination. That was where my mind went. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen people talk about. Yeah. Uh, talk about that and um, and twinning blade for a ceiling of I would believe there's like a three counter ceiling uh, for that kind of forces the blocks to happen takes cards out of hand no matter what even if you're not getting the uh, uh, getting the payoff or the on hit effect you're you're still stripping your opponent's hand yeah that's just with the current dawn blade dory build I mean we don't know what this new dawn blade's gonna gonna say it either so it could be really good with that as well because in this Dawnblade in the previous Dawnblade build the counters will go away if it doesn't hit so mm-hmm. we'll see if they're allowed to stick around with the new sword yeah I, I I think because the new Dory is tied to the new Dawnblade I wouldn't be shocked if the new Dawnblade's also tied to specifically the new Dory but I'm not that's not 100%, yeah. I think Dawnblade Resplendent will specifically refer to, I forget what her name is, this Dorinthia that's coming in the classic battles. Dorinthia Glistening Quicksilver or something like that? Yeah, so there's, yeah. I don't have um, it right in front of me. But I do think, I, I liken this to um, Magic's Commander pre-cons. I think LSS has uh, a good model base here where their classic battles can be ways to introduce card pool cards into the pool and uh, um, expand expand archetypes and introduce uh, new heroes you know through these classic battles I think they have something there um, and it's not unheard of to have these these cards that are perhaps unique to the pre-constructed uh decks and um you know maybe you're you're probably i think likely if this is a in auto include in dory cc and she becomes tier one you're probably going to want to get your hands on uh on a play set of them um i don't i i don't know it'll be interesting to see what the price on these are i feel like majestics especially non-foil majestics don't hold a ton of value so unless there's something um something crazy i'm sure the msrp of the classic battles will probably hold steady and these the individual cards will be slightly less i'm definitely not spending 150 dollars for a play set of of these i'll probably yeah. get i'm probably going to get two boxes uh anyways one to hold on to and one well, to, it'll probably come with two cards anyway i would really love it if it came with two i think that yeah. would be great we've got um, the Dorinthia. it says the first time Dawnblade resplendent gains go again each turn you may attack an additional time with it this turn so playing this card lets you attack twice with the mm-hmm. new Dawnblade, no matter what that's some spice that's that, definitely some spice so it's a built-in twinning blade yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it definitely makes the um, the ability to swing and and attack easier than your normal don your your classic Dory Don Blade uh, combination. So I'm definitely looking looking forward to that. I think she'll have a place in Blitz no matter what. It's very interesting to see what they do with Reinar. I think there's um, give me give me a blue give me a blue six attack for Reinar. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'll take <laughs> I'll take a blue six attack uh, and yeah. go from there. All right. So on top of that, um, we do have a pro tour and calling registration has officially opened up uh, for the events in New Jersey. Uh, and this is a reminder to all you pro tour eligible competitors out there. You do need to register for the pro tour. You are not just in go go to the website at Channel Fireball and and register. Uh, otherwise, yes. you are not included on there. If you do not register, you will not be counted uh, as as one of one of the competitors. So you will fly down or drive or boat however you're getting to New Jersey. If you just show up from the ferry crossing the channel, you'll you will not not find your slot at the Pro Tour. You'll have to sign up for the calling for the next day. And that'll be super sad for you. Uh, but included <laughs> included with the Pro Tour uh, registration is a brand new cold foil uh, promo. It is Yorick. Yorick, Yorick Weaver of Tales. The bar. Uh, we finally uh, see him. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a huge fan of this, but I'm glad oh. that there's a bard card really? out there. I yeah, think this I is. Will, a, I'm so my, excited. Like, I love it. I this couldn't sounds, be this more is excited. Ter- this is terrible. This is the first terrible. time I've ever wanted to play UPF. I'll be honest. <laughs> it, it is. Um, there, this this is an announcement that it is banned in Blitz. Oh, and yeah. I want to bring this to Blitz Night so badly. I I would. I'll scoop. <laughs> this is what I'll do. All right, Yorick Weaver of Tales is a b- young bard hero. At the st- at the start of the game, all heroes shuffle their starting decks together. All heroes share the same deck and graveyard this game. This is my worst social nightmare come true. You have to touch my cards. You get to shuffle them. You get even to play with them. This is this is why I left Commander. This is why I left Magic for this this stuff. Not nope. I'm good. I'm good. You guys like it? I can't I wait to that. just like just have the one communal deck in the middle. It's like four oh, oh. pop cans tall and you're you're playing Jenga every time you have to like try to draw one off the top or like four off different the kinds card. of sleeves. Everyone knows what's happening. It's just oh, it's... just a nightmare. Because they haven't really addressed, like, does there's nothing on York that says that a ranger can play a ninja card all of a sudden. So, like, is that just, like, all of a sudden you draw and it's a dead card and you, can you block let's with all, it at least? Yeah, let's all have fun with the dead cards in our hand. You're can you, not can, selling me on this. So, just because you can't play it, can you pitch it or can you defend with it at least? Because if you can do those things, you can still do a lot with the card and wait till you just draw someone else's command and conquer and you're like, Neener, neener. There should be this. There should be a strict rule where there's like one Yorick and three Cheyennes, and then that's it. <laughs> so, this are thinking about the rules. Yorick's ability says at the start of the game, um, whereas 
so that would be like after you've done the hero reveal and everything, um, sideboard and all that. But I think the rule for cards that are not your hero's type in the deck uh, only apply when you first like get into the game. Like I think that happens before. So then, the start of your game, your deck goes to the middle, and your deck now you don't have to abide by the rules anymore because you brought your legal deck to the game and now your deck becomes something else after oh. that initial rule has passed interesting okay. right. so, so i, can I now it. can head jab as dorinthia yeah so the only problem is that york's gonna have to be a generic only deck right now um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah but like what if what if you use it in like a you know ultimate pit fight scene yeah. and all york has is like defense reactions or something that means all the other players can bring in all of their class cards, the best ones, and don't have to worry about building decks traditionally anymore. Oh, this I think it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like this is like if if four, all four players played um oh god, what is that? The uh What's the possibility card in Magic that makes everyone exile? You play a spell, you exile it, and then you reveal the top card of your library, and then everyone has to do has to do that, and it's just this big janky mess. That's what this is. This is a big janky mess. At least the art's cool on it, though. The art, yeah, the the art is cool. I, he needs a he needs a, a loot weapon. That's what he needs. Just I, I was. What is yeah, Talishar right? not good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> Talishar should have at least been like a one resource swing. Yeah, one for four. We, we you lose those, it after three swings. We save those for uh, rune blade weapons with mixed damage. Yeah, for for little opportunity cost. Thank you very much. All right, <laughs> on top of uh, on top of Yorick uh, and the registration, I, I reemphasize that you need to register for the Pro Tour. You Pro Tour competitors. We also uh, recently. Um, got information about potential callings and events happening uh, in Europe, uh, specifically for uh, LSS states for our fans in the UK. We're going to be crossing the channel at the end of the year for one last calling to close out 2022. So we have some exciting, exciting things uh, in, in the forecast here. It does seem like they just keep, they keep adding on. I do uh, 30 callings this year. That's what they said. It's March. It's coming into April, not not on track for thirty callings. I still want one, in because how many have we had? Three, two, one, one. But one. we've had one so far. But we've had what? two, one in three, four, five announced now. Technically six announced now. Yeah, I don't know. You really got to backload that calendar if you're going to make thirty in twenty twenty two. But they've also demonstrated for it. I'm rooting for it too. But they've also demonstrated that they're not going to like announce them all up front. Like it, it is going to be a trickle throughout the year, I think. And I think I th- I, I trust LSS to make up to their thirty. I think 30. what they what what they really need to do is just get a a little more ahead of it than they were. I if if they're really jam packing this schedule. Um, then people need to know what what they can and you know, what they do have to travel for, what they don't have to travel for. Uh, make choices 
make educated choices on where they're going to go and what they're going to do because you still have right so you're you're in the middle of skirmish season you're in a pro tour you have pro quest season two presumably you have road to national season after that right and then who knows they usually end the year on another skirmish season um there's a lot going on there if worlds finds a way in there if if they find another pro tour uh before the end of the year uh, and then they have all those callings. Put it on a, put it on a calendar. Let people know where you know where you can go and how how you can get there uh, before it gets too late. I don't like that battle. Uh, I feel like the the last two battle hardens, the battle hardens leads, and um, I believe there's one in is it Dallas? But there's two. There were two like short short notice, uh, like high profile events that were that were coming out um, that really like. You know, just give them a little more time. You know, perhaps people would have made other choices on where they were, you know, what they were doing, where they were going. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is still, I think, an inaugural year in a lot of ways, too. Like, this mm-hmm. this year, because this is going to be our first year where pretty much there's no restrictions and there's less global shenanigans going on. I won't get <laughs> into that. It. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is kind of the year where they're able to do things and this year sets the precedent for future years now like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we we still have a year a lot of unknowns to it to experience at this point but moving forward we'll be able to predict things a lot better based off of what we've seen this year absolutely all right yep i think that does it for the news so now we're gonna bring it bring it back around to our to our main topic in our main protagonist of this week's story, we're going to be bringing... Uh, so you've heard his voice uh, here and there as we've as we've uh, just rambled and... and, and <laughs> Done what we do best. Just into the woods. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, just down the, down the less trodden path on our way to the main topic. But we do have Tyler Broughton with us. He is, uh, as was stated, the commissioner of the uh, Fab Team League and the ad- main admin for the uh, Competitive Hub uh, Facebook page. Tyler Broughton, welcome to the podcast. Tell us. Who, Thank you very much. Tell us who you are and how the heck you got here. Yeah, my name is Tyler Broughton, um, as has been said. Yeah, I started playing Flesh and Blood a little over a year ago. And it started off into magic during COVID a little bit, me and my roommate at the time. And we're having fun building decks. Um, and we're getting to a point where we're getting kind of burned out with magic. Um, Commander just wasn't as fun anymore because we were taking it a little too competitively. And I heard about this game called Flesh and Blood. This was probably last January, February. During that time, I'd also gotten into buying and selling Magic collections as a side hustle as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took all my bulk into one of the local stores around here. They gave me a couple hundred dollars in credit, and they had one box of Flesh and Blood Welcome to Wraith left on their shelves because back then you couldn't get unlimited. It was very hard to get. Um, and so I got it with my store credit, um, took it home. I said, hey, Hasiel, he was my roommate. He's on Team Kitchen Fable with me. I said, hey, we got... I got this booster box of Flesh and Blood. You want to try it with me? He's like, oh, I've heard about the game too. I've been wanting to play. Let's do it. So we opened the box. We made four. 
um, decks, blitz decks of each hero. They were not very good, but we had a blast, man. It was we played all night. We immediately bought a couple more, a few more boxes online just to get more cards to play the game, uh, and we just fell in love with the game. It was just unlike anything we had ever played before. From there, I got uh, into online play. I found um, Kitchen Table TCG um, Discord server where mm-hmm. they were having events. Um, and then there was a one local store around me. Um, I live in the Raleigh-Durham metro area in North Carolina, and we have a lot of stores, but only one was starting up Flesh and Blood, and they were starting up Armory events just at the right time um, that I got in. And so we started going to those, found a little play group around here. i um, just been playing ever since, but I've uh, been grinding a lot online, trying to get XP, um, ever since then, and um, seems like it's it's paying off now because they're getting invited to bigger tournaments with that. And so, back in May, uh, Monarch had just come out, and they just announced. I think they had a skirmish season coming up, and then they had Road to Nationals. And I was I was trying to uh, learn more about the competitive side of the game, and there wasn't a whole lot of of content out there for the competitive games i saw that they're wanting they just announced vegas calling um and everything the competitive scene was just really new and there was really only one or two even youtube channels made and dedicated for the competitive aspect of the game and so and i was like looking on the facebook groups and i'm like i was looking at the the fan page which is the the biggest flesh and blood group and all I was seeing was like art posts and box openings and like stuff I didn't really care about because I wanted to learn mm-hmm. how to be competitive in the game. And so uh, I created this Flesh um, and Blood Competitive Hub Facebook group because I saw a need for it. I wanted to learn more about the competitive aspect of the game and I wanted to give people a place to talk about it. And so I just quickly set up this group and put a bunch of people in it um, that I had met um, and then I started sending the link to players who were finishing I think at that time there was I think nationals for Australia or something well there was a pro quest or something was in Australia and I was I sent a message to the people who top aided said hey can you post your deck list in my group and then Anytime I would see a, pay, a post on the on the fan page that was competitive in nature, I would link my group and say, hey, can you post this in this group? We're trying to get competitive content here. And so ever since then, people just started jumping in that group and inviting their friends. And it's just grown since then. It's been it's been great to see. No, it just hit a milestone, correct? Yeah, we're at um, 4,400 members, um, which makes it in the top five of flesh and blood groups on facebook mm-hmm. like two or three of those groups being marketplace groups and mm-hmm. so really it's number two when you're just talking about the game itself and not trying to buy or sell so uh it's been pretty cool to see and it's been a it's been um user created you know like i i i post a lot in there but i also see a lot of people posting themselves the community has really taken ownership of it and they've adopted this group to like this is where they talk about the competitive hub and this is like where they talk about the news and stuff that comes out and this is where they get their deck lists and um originally we made it like it was just a public group no rules or anything just like whatever people want to talk about related to the competitive scene um so since then um, we've added some rules made some more um direction and focus for what we want the group to be um and yeah people just 
like it's like their group that they go to um and so i remember playing online in an armory event in europe and i played this guy in in poland i think and after the game he said hey i recognize you from that facebook group and um me and my play group in poland we love your group we follow it religiously and like we always go to it so thank you for giving us a space that we can look at um deck lists and like the competitive nature of the game and he, he thanked me for it so it's been really cool to see the public's um reception on that group yeah it's definitely great i think uh, i know we're we're both also members of of the group and it is a fantastic resource so you know thank you for providing that uh, resource for us uh, you you are also um, a member of Team Kitchen Fable, managed by Sean Biava. Yep. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> last, last time I tried that, I failed. <laughs> uh, and uh, obviously affiliated uh, with Kitchen Table TCG uh, on their server. Why don't you talk about how the formation of that team took place and how you became a member? Yeah, so this was um, last year, last spring, a group of guys that kept playing on Louis' server, Kitchen Table TCG, um, got together and said, hey, we should create a competitive team, um, or we should at least create a team of people that want to be more serious about the game um, to be able to play with and everything. And so um, they posted their tryouts in there, and this was right around the time where um, I was starting to get super serious and competitive about the game. Um, and so they said we have some tryouts coming up, come practice with the team, come, we have a couple tournaments. Um, and so they had like two tournaments and then they like made, made their cuts. Um, and, or they had two rounds of cuts. And so this was actually their tournaments, their tryouts were right around the time where I was getting married. Um, and so I did one blitz event with them and I got second in the tournament and beat all their players except one. Um, and then I couldn't go to any more tryouts or practices or anything because I was getting married. I had my honeymoon. And so fun fact, they actually cut me from the team originally. Um, they had 12 spots and they said I was number 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, they just didn't see me play enough. Um, which I, I understood because I'd only been to one tryout practice or tournament because I was super busy at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple months later, um, they had a spot open up. One of the guys had to drop out of the team and stop playing Flesh and Blood for life reasons. And they said they instantly invited me. They said, hey, like, we see you around. Like, we want we want you on our team. Um, and so I joined from then from, from then on. So sometimes I, I give Sean a little grief. I'm like, hey, man, remember that time you cut me from your team? Um, but... It's all it's all good, and I I love being on the team. Um, I love being on Team Kitchen Field specifically because the guys are just a wonderful group of people, um, and we're a decentralized team. So um, the benefits of that is we're all over the U.S., East Coast, West Coast, North and South. We have one guy in Canada as well. Um, and it's really beneficial because we can report to the team what we're seeing in our local metas. Um, and instead of all playing in one city at one local game store, we get to see a diverse uh, set of regions. And so we get info from everywhere. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I bring it back to the team to talk about and and work on. And so it's been really cool being a part of that team as, uh, as well. And like seeing guys at tournaments constantly and just, you know, like creating friends online in the game. It's crazy. 
Now, before we start diving into the team league stuff, um, you are quite a prolific collector of flesh and blood, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I recall correctly, you opened up a lot of Everfest boxes. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as much of a collector as I am. I I run a TCG player store. Oh, okay. What um, what is I, your what is your what's your store? It's called Righteous Gaming. Um, I've seen your name pop up a couple of times, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. I think I've, I've bought plenty see, of cards from you. See people um, pop up that I know and that I play with. Um, yeah, that's my side hustle. Um, I do. I buy and sell. I'm actually about to um, change professions and go manage a local game store. Um, we're about to move. Um, it's not quite public yet, so I'm not going to say the name of the store, but you all would know. All right. You all would know the store if I said it. So, but yeah, so I've been, I buy and sell a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I do have, I'm not a huge, like, I like to keep cards kind of guy. I don't really like to mm-hmm. keep cards, except I mean, I have a full play set of every set just because if I ever want to yeah. make a deck, I can just go pull it. But, right, right. Uh, I do love selling cards to people because, like it's just you make connections that way and especially on like when the when everfest came out i opened up 120 boxes holy um, yep 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 i saw that i saw my that guys came over um my local my locals came over we had a we had a good night of it they were all helping me open and sort and you know gave them good deals on cards and but like as i was uploading all of them to tcg player um I could see which ones were selling the fastest, you know, like in my mm-hmm. order. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of, I'm literally out of prism stuff and I'm out of room blade stuff. Like those are the two main um, things that went first. And I'm like, okay, so now I know to get ready for the prism and room blade meta, you know, and then that's what happened week one of ProQuest. I mean, Star Row, obviously, but um, there weren't, there weren't a whole lot of cards in Everfest that Star Row actually used. And so, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, yeah, I saw which cards were flying and it was, it's an advantage to me sometimes um high level players buy from me on tcg player and i can see what they're buying so yeah <laughs> it's your own personal scouting report exactly excellent excellent yeah i definitely saw i saw the everfest box opening numbers uh on the marketplace sites and i do know you're, you you also have a very extensive uh, playmat collection for sale i, I did. know you, you I are did, the go-to so... playmat person from oh, from man, what i, I see my wife came up to me. She said, "How many playmats do you have?" And I counted, and I had over thirty of them, just from like winning them, building them up, buying them in collections and stuff. She's like, mm-hmm. "All right, let's get down to eight. And so <laughs> yeah. I picked my, my favorites, and the rest had to go. So um, it was a good time selling those as well. What is what is your favorite playmat that you own? What I'm most proud of is a tunic playmat. My favorite. Favorite one with the art is definitely the Gorganian Tome one. Um, mm-hmm, just, a, yeah. just a beautiful card. That's a good one. Uh, I, that was one of the first mats I ever actually got. And I think that was the first mat I, that I got in a local game store as well. Um, and so it, it's very, holds a lot of memories for me. All right. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes uh, of, of what we're doing here. You are the commissioner of the Fab Competitive Team League. Now, uh, this is we're getting into season two 
of of the league here. Um, how did it come about for season one? Yeah, so like like the origin story for the Facebook group um, happened. I just like I wanted our team to play against other teams. Like I wanted Team Kitchen Fable to play against the Hyperloops and the Card Guys and Fab Foundry. And I'm like, why isn't there this yet? And so I just created it because I wanted to see it happen. And so um, starting off with season one, I um, was thinking about how we wanted the format to go. I invited Davis Kingsley, Tower Number Nine, um, to help me with it, um, and he was and he graciously uh, offered his help with that. Um, and so we were kind of figuring out what we wanted the league to look like and set it up and everything. Um, and so initially thought to to bring in six teams because I was pretty well connected at that point. I knew a lot of the good teams. Um, so for season one, it was invite only. I reached out to the Hyperloops. I reached out to the Car Guys, um, the LGS team, which is in Dallas, Fab Foundry, um, and then Top Deck Keep, which had Tyler Horsepool in it. So my goal was to get the the highest finishers from like the first three to four callings, um, and, and and nationals, and to get all those high players in the league to kind of test this league out. And so uh, a lot of those guys, uh, all those teams accepted to be part of the league because they wanted something similar. They, like this is the first time like teams are going against each other. There's been one or two other instances of that, but they haven't been very successful. So we ran season one um, after nationals um, through the beginning of the year um, during the off season when there really wasn't anything going on. Um, mm-hmm. We had a great season one. Guys really took to it. Um, they started producing content on their channels. Um, and we had our, our finals night was Team Kitchen Hill versus the Hyperloops. And we scheduled all five of those matches in one night and had them back to back to back. Um, had one night out of it, and so that was really cool. We got um, a lot of viewers that just wanted to watch some high-level play, so um, that's kind of how it came to be. And then so this season, um, we opened it up to the public um, because season one was like a test run. Getting a, there were a lot of kinks that came out of it. Uh, there were some rules that we hadn't thought about, and so as teams were playing, they're like hey, like, we should think about this, we should do this differently. And so a lot of the formation of the rules and of the format of the league was made during Season 1, um, such as Week 1 in Season 1. Um, we ac- accidentally spoiled the heroes that people were playing, and teams did not like that because um. you, you knew who what hero you were going against. And so we had, um, I think we had a chain that was going against a viscerai and the viscerai was like all generics and all defense reactions and his whole goal was to block out chain the whole time and chain just ran out of cards and viscerai was able to block him out and it, it was not a very good experience for the players of of that game because he built a deck specifically to be chain and so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there were a lot of kinks before we made it public to to get out of the league um yeah, season two, um, we entered, yeah, I opened up applications. I was just going to create one more division, welcome in six teams. Um, but then we had um, we had like almost 17, 18 teams apply to be part of the league. Um, and so it's like, well, we're, we're going to add two divisions. 
And so we added two divisions, um, added another admin um, to the league, and we're running three divisions now, six teams in each division for a total of 18 teams, uh, which is crazy to think that it, it's growing that fast. Um, we also implemented a relegation promotion system. Um, so if you win your league or you get top two in your league, you get to move up to the next league up. And if you get in the bottom two of your league, you have to go down a league. Um, and so that's going to help filter, you know, division one is going to be the best teams in the game. And the division three is just going to be the teams that are trying to have fun and get better. So, but it gives everyone an opportunity to get to the top of, of the team league. Um, so that's, that's really exciting about it. Is the division moving on a weekly or seasonal basis? It's on a seasonal basis. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so there's six, six teams in division. You play a, mm-hmm. a round-robin format. There's five weeks. Okay. You play each, each team once. Um, and depending on which division you're in, there's different rules for how you move up and down. Usually, if you finish first in the regular season, you get to automatically move up. And then second and third place get to play a finals week and then the winner of that game gets to move up as well but also the sixth place team moves down and then fourth and fifth play and the loser has to move down a league and so there's a little bit of um drama for everyone in that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what ha- what happens to bottom two of division three um they get kicked out of the league just kidding mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh-huh. not the thing. Uh-huh. If we bring them down to the Rivals League. <laughs> if we do add in another six teams and create another division, um, they might be down to Division 4. And mm-hmm. bring in some teams up to Division 3 who we think may be better um, suited for higher division to start off with. So how long is the regular season scheduled for? Uh, we got five weeks of play. We're in week one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a finals week, which will be the championship game between the top two teams in Division One, And then you will have um, week-long matches for um, promotion and relegation purposes as well as see which teams are moving up and down. Uh, and so in Division One, that's where you want to be. The top two teams play for the championship. The bottom four teams all play again, and the two losers get relegated. So um, there's a lot of high stakes in Division One on that last week. And Division One is going to be the week before. It's going to end the Sunday before the Pro Tour. Um, and so we were able to squeeze the league in between um, ProQuest season and the Pro Tour, um, which was uh, good timing for us. Now, before we start breaking down the individual teams here, uh, or do you have plans on running a, another season in 2022? Or is is this going to be... Yeah, I mean, we just kind of put the league wherever there's gaps in the flesh and blood calendar. And so we saw during skirmish season, it's considered a gap for a lot of the competitive players because um, there's a view that skirmish season isn't as competitive, um, nor does it take a lot of time to prepare for um, because of the variance in the decks. And so teams were... Every every team I asked was like was really wanting to to do it um, to get ready for the pro tour um, to see what decks people are coming up with and the beauty about this league is that you know you play five players each week they schedule their own game against their opponent um, so you only play one game a week 
um, but your team is playing a five on five versus another team. But the the cool, the interesting twist rule in the league is that each person on a team can only play one hero in a week. And so you're going to get five different heroes from each team. So it's not going to be a team of Starvos or a team of Prisms. It's going to be one team's going to have to choose five different heroes to play. And so you're going to get practice on a variety of decks, and you're going to get practice against a variety of decks as well. You have to be a well-rounded team that's good on a diverse um, range of heroes. So we uh, we want to take uh, a little look at the teams that are competing in Season 2 and have ourselves a little competitive team league primer coming into, uh, you know, we are in Week 1 right now. Um, so let's start uh, with Division 1 of the team league and starting with... Uh, yeah, the team kitchen fable. Why don't we uh, when we talk a little bit a little bit about uh, team kitchen fable, what they're bringing to the table here, so to speak, um, and uh, some of the some of the players to look out for. So team kitchen fable was the was the underdog team that could last year. Um, we're coming into we were coming into season one as the team. Probably the least amount of notable finishes out of all six teams. Um, that's also because a lot of our players didn't travel to some of the bigger tournaments. Uh, and we ended up finishing second last year in the team league, um, losing to the Hyperloops in the finals. Um, and so we demonstrated that we could hold our own against some of those teams that had notable players with notable finishes. Um, and we're really coming into it um, for season two. We're excited to. Um, prove that we can stay in Division One, um, and so yeah, notable players. You got myself, obviously, but I don't. I don't actually play unless I absolutely need to, um, due to mm-hmm. people um, not being able to play. Just because I am the admin and I can, you know, I control the league, and so if I, mm-hmm. I if I beat someone really bad, I mean, they might think that. Uh, there is some collusion there, so I, I I don't play in the league. I pull myself out of it. But mm-hmm. uh, we have our most notable player is Heath Sheeman. Um, he got 11th at nationals in U.S. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and then we have a lot of people with Pro Quest wins, Road to National wins. Uh, we have four guys that qualify to the Pro Tour, um, and so that yeah, we're excited to be in the league. Excellent, excellent. Uh, moving on to Team Foundry. Is that Team Fab Foundry? Yeah, Team Fab Foundry. Yep. Um, they're run out of a local game store in Portland, I believe. Um, their most notable player is Alberto Miracle. He was top eight in Vegas, I believe. Uh, with mm-hmm, Dash. Mm-hmm, I recognize um, that. Yep, yeah, he was the Dash yeah, player in Dash Vegas. Yeah. So um, in that chain meta. So. Um, and then they also have some high ELO guys like uh, Justin Salmon, um, Sam Yoon. Um, and so, yeah, they um, can hold their own as well. They're a really solid team, and they they have great guys. They have a playtest league that I'm a part of that, that they do as well um, in their own Discord server. So, yeah, solid team overall. Excellent. Now, moving on in the D1, we have Team Hometown TCG Ascent. Uh, content creators uh, with their uh, very successful YouTube channel. I know Hometown TCG uh, teams up with Louie from Kitchen Table uh, on 
podcast and uh um yet yeah, they do have some uh notable players there i see uh obviously john wood part of uh part of the hometown tcg full you don't see him too much on the content side uh these days um john sciatic yeah john sciatic i think yeah um he was um top eight at u.s nationals okay um and top mm-hmm. 16 um in vegas you have nick zimmerman who finished second place in the calling in dallas um and so this is a team that is actually the only new team to division one mm-hmm. um this season because we had one of our teams the lgs team drop out um, due okay. to scheduling conflicts um, with their team and so we put one team in division one and so i chose um, hometown tcg to put in that just because they have some top eights on the national scene um and mm-hmm. uh, i think that they can compete with all the other teams out there and josh has just been hounding me for for months to get his team in the league so yeah um, yeah and he said he said he he said that um he could take it down so i believed him um and they're in they're in the league or they're in division one right. and so um, looks like yeah, they gotta they, put their uh put their money where their mouth is huh totally. they're the newcomers and they gotta prove that they can stay so <laughs> all right uh moving on in d1 we have the card guys very popular uh very popular channel uh, I think the, I think the card guys might be one of the more well-known groups here uh, in Flesh and Blood when it comes to te- competitive teams. Yeah, so they they have a solid team. Um, they come from different games that they played before. Um, they're based in the Atlanta area. Um, yeah, they have Namvo who won the calling in Cincinnati. No, mm-hmm. uh, Dallas, I believe. Yeah, Dallas. Um, yeah, the limit limited calling uh, on Oldham. Yeah, Michael won Michael yep. won in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Cavallo, who got second place in Vegas. Um, Alex Sneed just got a top eight at the Battle Hardened in Indy a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joshua Lau on their team. He won the MVP for um, season one. He went five and zero in his matches. The only player in season one to win all five of his matches. And doing it on like three or four different heroes too it was crazy and i remember then, him busting out uh uh he had a spicy dorinthia deck uh yeah. last season that he busted out that was very very fun to watch that's that's the cool thing about the league is like this guy won with three different heroes and won five games like mm-hmm. it just brings diversity of deck playing skill um and finally nathan crawford um, on their team is their new guy to the team, but he got tenth in, in Indianapolis. He was the highest ranked um, Viserai player that weekend. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. solid team that they got. Um, they had an underwhelming um, season one, and so they're looking to bounce back. Um, and I think that they could they could take it take it all this year. I think they could be the Hyperloops. Speaking of the Hyperloops, they are next. The Hyperloops are they brought an army. And it looks like they are stacked. I see uh, Cody Williams, who just made top eight in calling Indianapolis on chain. Yeah. Um, I see. A uh, of I think. Yes, yes, he does. Uh, Joe Cologne, who top eighted calling Vegas um, yeah. and uh, local nemesis to my play area. 
Um, <laughs> we have uh, Michael Michael Fang, who won the calling. He won calling Cincinnati and got yep. second at U.S. Nationals. Yes, yep. he did. Um, we have uh, Christian... John, Jonathan Magnuson, who got top eight, I think, in Orlando. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, calling. Uh, and Christian Franco, I believe, is a national champion. French national champion. French national champion. Um, I Amazing. also see the... <laughs> Um, I also see the uh, incomparable Fino Black is on the team, just coming off of his prolific run on Prism uh, on the calling, losing to Michael Hamilton in the finals. Yeah. And, and uh, Yang Ji Yang, who just won the Battle Hardened um, in Indianapolis as well. That's right. Um, that is... Right? They have to be the boogeyman, right? They That has to be... That has to be the team. People are going to be like, ah, crap. I'm going to face the Hyperloops. Of course, of course they are. I mean, they have 27 players on their team, mm-hmm. and um, you never know who you're going to you're going to face. Um, last season, I mean, Michael Fang could be arguably their best player, but he didn't play around with them until the finals, and he brought out a dash deck, and no one was expecting him to play dash. And so, yeah, yeah, um, it really is like a who's who. I'm just looking at some of yeah. these names, and it's like I know. I I know or heard of every single one of these 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 guys on there. That is uh that is intense. Uh, rounding out Division One, we have Team Top Deck Keep, um, highlighted by Tyler Horspool winning of uh, the winner of Calling Vegas. Yeah, um, Tyler Horspool highlights that that team. Uh, it's just him and a bunch of local guys in this southern la area um and yeah so that that team also you hear that team top deck we need we need to know who the hell the rest of you are you gotta <laughs> you gotta give gotta give tyler uh some breathing room here yeah and so they they were able to compete last year the cool thing about last season um is i think every team uh, i'm pretty sure went at least two three and so Every team beat two others, and that's mm-hmm. that's great. really cool right. because Par- they, they parody in the all, league, right? Yeah, they were all pretty pretty close. Actually, Top Deck Keep did go one four, but every everyone else went at least two three. <laughs> so uh, Top Deck Keep really got some, <laughs> really some making up to do some, here. Some conflicts a couple weeks and had to take some L's because of that, and so mm-hmm. they're looking to to bounce back um, to prove that they could stay in it as well. Uh, in Division 2, the division I'm in, right off the top we have SEAL Team Lotus. Some notables there. Uh, Joshua, I, I always struggle with this one. Kihi? We'll go with it. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Joshua got a top 8 in Orlando calling. Um, and he did pretty well in Indy as well. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing his name all over the uh, the Orlando calling. Uh, definitely a very skilled player there. And then Jacob Baugh, who uh, top aided yep. Indy, correct? Yes, he was in the top eight in Indy. Um, and let's see, he also um, top aided U.S. Nationals as well. Oh, did he? Okay, wow, that's yeah. so a very accomplished player player already then. Uh, Their captain is, is T, and uh, I got to know T this season. He went to 
two or three of the pro quests that I went to. He's um, a couple hours from me. Um, and so, yeah, they were really excited to get in, to get in the league. Um, and um, they were well deserving of a Division two spot. That's yeah. definitely some some good names. T. Tebow on there, obviously. Velio, Baldespino there. there. That's a previous Magic team that came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, next for Div 2, we've got uh, Indy Arsenal. Uh, and some notable names right off the bat. Michael Hamilton, uh, two-time calling champion, uh, back-to-back who's calling that, champion. Who's that guy? Michael <laughs> Hamilton. The only player to ever win two callings. Yeah, top of the ELO board. Number one player in the world right now. Yeah, so captained by Michael Treon. Um, they were really excited to get in the league and um, prove that they're not just a one-man team that they can compete. Um, these guys are from Indianapolis. So not only did Michael win a calling, he won it in his hometown, um, which is pretty exciting. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, the, these guys... These guys are all um, his locals um, and are ready to show that they can all play too. On the on the D two, uh, moving on to the D two division, we have Team West Coast Best Coast, uh, which has a couple notable players. I think Prime is going to be Yuki Lee Bender, uh, Canadian national champion. Yes. I believe is that correct? That is correct. And. Uh, on top of that, we have uh, Isaac Jensen, who top-aided okay. uh, U.S. Nationals. Um, Oliver Chen. That was also a top-eight of Canadian Nationals. And some guy named Adam Philipchuk. Uh, the next team on uh, the D2 roster is the Okanolds. Uh, they're an European team uh, based out of Germany and the Netherlands, I believe. Yeah. Central Europe, um, yeah, is the the Okanolds, um, and yeah, they have some. We don't recognize their names just because they're from Europe, but they have Christian Hawk who won German nationals, and Emmanuel Gershenson who won Austria's nationals. Um, and so, yeah, they have some. They're trying to prove that Europe has has a game as well, um, and I think they have a well built team to do that. Well, I, and I want to tell Christian Hawk's story quickly here because Christian Hawk not only won uh, German nationals, Christian Hawk only started playing Flesh and Blood, I think, two or three weeks before the XP cutoff for German nationals. And, oh, wow. And so he's an, he's an ex. He, I, well, I don't want to say ex. Uh, I know he's an MPL player, uh, possibly still playing on the MPL. And he just last minute was like, you know what? This flesh and blood thing looks cool. I'm going to grind and get into nationals. And in the matter of just a couple of weeks, managed to make the XP cutoff and went to win the whole thing. So, uh, the casual four grand that weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Christian Hawk is uh, a beast amongst men, uh, as far as we can tell. Next, we've got uh, Team Galaxy Gaming. And uh, these, we actually fun enough just had chris ray their captain on uh galaxy gaming friends of the channel exactly yeah um and they had uh one of their first matches uh just uh tonight i was watching it uh earlier in the evening i think they had a, actually a back-to-back tonight i didn't catch the results of the second one but uh calvin ended up taking the win on uh on pr- is a prism mirror 
Uh, but yeah, Galaxy Gaming, uh, Chris Ray, their captain, they're based out of uh, Florida, and uh, they've got a stacked uh, group of guys as well. I think pretty much everyone on the team, I, I, I can't remember if it's everyone or if there's like one or two that didn't quite make it, uh, but like for the most part, they're all going to Jersey. Um and uh, they actually, they none of them managed to top eight, but they had a really strong showing at uh, at India as well. As far as I know, I know all of them made day two, and uh, yeah, they have they have three pro quest wins among them. So, um, and most of them in Florida. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, because Florida is just a, an epicenter of of strong, strong. You know, Tanner Tanner was seven and zero going into day two. So that's right. Um, he, he was on Viscerai too, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping uh, to. I'm excited to see what they'll do this year. Um, it's a shame they're almost a shame they're in the same div as us because uh, you want to. I, I want to cheer for them. Uh, but the good thing uh, that two teams can move up. So. Perfect. So we'll just aim for us and them in one and two, and uh, we'll all move yeah. up. And if you hear that, Chris, that's our that's our little that's our plan. You and us, first and second place. <laughs> split uh, the finals yeah split the finals exactly uh is this the last for div this is the last for div two uh team blue more. team yeah. blue pitch yeah blue pitch is a team out of hong kong um they work closely with the card guys um yeah we don't i mean we haven't heard of many of their players just because they're in hong kong but um four of their players um, top eight in their Hong Kong Nationals. Um, they have their second, third, and fourth place um, Hong Kong Nationals plus another guy who lost in the top eight. Um, and so this is basically just Hong Kong's all-stars. Oh, wow. Um, and you said they, they have ties with the card guys? Yeah. So they Are play they... a lot with the card guys. The card guys recently did a battle with them, like a blitz battle with them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they did, didn't they? That are these are the guys that wiped the floor with the card guys, huh? Yeah. So yep. they they're looking to put um, Hong Kong on the map. So uh, yeah, I'm expecting. Big, I watched big that event. <laughs> yep. That's very exciting, and that is uh, that is the last uh, D two team. Uh, so we're gonna round it off with the D three teams. Um, and we are going to start with, we're going to start with Team Separatist Union. Yes, yeah, so I want to start off um, Division Three by saying like these um, are not necessarily the teams that are in the bottom of the league. Um, like I said, there were we had about 17 teams apply this season um, to be in the league, and I can only accept 12 of them. Um, so they, off the bat, they beat out at least five other teams. Um, but also we had to seed them in Division Two and Division Three, um, just based on mainly it was based on uh, recent history, how they performed on the national on the international scene, um, and so there could be teams in this division that are Division One quality that we just don't know about yet, and so that's the really exciting thing going into this division is that it's just like it's a wild card, like it's a. It, we have no idea what to expect from a lot of these teams because they haven't made as big of a name for themselves as other teams have. And so mm-hmm. Team Separatist Union is coming out of Canada, uh, Eastern Canada. Um, they are a bunch of former 
veterans in the trading card game space. They have not put up many results because they have not played for very long. Um, but they've been a team for five years together, and they've won two ProQuest this season, um, and almost top-aided in the Orlando Calling, but these guys have a long history with the Hyperloops. Um, they've been playing against them um, in other card games, um, mm-hmm. and so they come from Star Wars Destiny. Which I was going to say, I think, the, I think they're big Hyperloops I know are Star Wars guys. Yeah, so they, they've played um, the Hyperloops from Star Wars Destiny, um, and so they wanted to... Um, come over and beat the Hyperloops again. So um, they're trying to work their way up so they can, they can play the Hyperloops again. Um, so that's a, an underdog team to look out for. Excellent. A, p- a potential rivalry in the making as well. Exactly. They have to get up there, though. Yep, yep. They got some work to do. Uh, and, hey, you know what? Uh, a good showing by them and maybe an under, you know, a poor showing by the Hyperloops puts them right in line to collide in the following season uh moving on to the next team we have team invaders what can you tell me about team invaders yeah so team um invaders they are a new up-and-coming team they are out of indonesia um Mm -hmm. they don't have a whole lot of um quality finishes just because they haven't had a nationals because yeah it's um, been tough to get high level uh, competition over there. Yeah, their best player is Gian Arnandi. Arnandi. Um, he recently won their ProQuest um, in Indonesia. I believe they only had a couple ProQuests. Um, mm-hmm. They also have a couple skirmish winners as well. Um, and so we took a chance on these guys um, just because we wanted to see more representation from other countries. But also, um, I mean, we want to give them a chance to compete with with other teams and to put themselves mm-hmm. out there uh, out there so we really don't know what these guys are going to do um and we are excited to have them in the, in the league um and so the cool thing about um the the league is that it gives teams an opportunity to um make themselves known right now um they are currently one and one in week one um beating one of the guys from um, one of the teams coming up, they're playing the the Greek Greek team, and so. Mhm, mhm. So they really got an opportunity there to uh, gain some clout. Yep. And speaking of clout, Whoa. the next team, the next team that we're talking about, uh, is the Clout Chasers. Uh, this is a team that we know a little about Adam and I, uh, because these are members of. Uh, our playtest group, um, but we have we have Frank Hung. Uh, I believe one. I believe every one of these guys has actually won a ProQuest this season, excepting Max Thomas. I'm sorry, Max, <laughs> but I believe everyone uh, everyone has. Uh, Maxim Villanueva is a prolific Canadian player uh, that also recently won his ProQuest. I believe. I've been playing against Max ever since I started playing the game, and so um, he's I a, feel he's like a, that's something that everyone seems to have in common. Can is confirm. that everyone's <laughs> everyone's played with Max for as long as they've been playing Flesh and Blood. Yeah, and so that, that's kind of the cool thing about this league is that you get to know the guys that you play with. Um, 
over the course of the year. And so, yeah, they've won multiple pro quests, um, day, day two, top 24 of nationals events. And so, uh, mm-hmm. and this is another team that's looking to make a name out of themselves um, mm-hmm. in in this division. And so uh, I see them as one of the favorites in Division Three to win Division Three. So I believe so. There, that that is a lot of um, <clears throat> there is a lot of of ProQuest wins in that in that stable right there. Um, so I think we can we can attest to um, what they are what they are doing. Uh, and the potential that they have there, uh, and uh, you know, perhaps they they might be one of the unofficial teams unofficially sponsored by the Combat Chain. Ah, moving on to, uh, we're gonna start rounding uh, rounding the bend here on the home stretch. We have Team Darkside Games. Tyler, what can you tell me about Team Darkside? Uh, Darkside Games is another up and coming team, and it's led by Peter Budenseek. Um, this team is local to Las Vegas. Oh, Peter. Um, yeah, Peter. I uh, Fun story about Peter. I met Peter when I was in Vegas uh, at a local game store there. I landed on the Thursday, and I was like, what do I do with myself? And I did a little bit of Googling and found out that there was a local game store running, uh, running events, and I ended up playing uh, some sealed deck with Peter and uh pulled a bracers actually uh it was wtr sealed deck and uh at the time uh it was it was peter's so where this is significant it was peter's packs uh and uh i was like man i just pulled a bracers from your packs like what what can i do he's like oh don't worry about it and i was like okay i'll make it up to you at some point and i never got the chance to make it up to him so that Peter has always sat in the back of my mind as like, oh, I got to find like some, I remember seeing him, it was it calling or no, it was it uh, us nationals. Peter actually had a decent showing was on stream a bit. And, uh, I, uh, I was like, okay, hey, I know I'm going to cross paths again with Peter at some point. Whenever I do, I need to have something to be like, Hey man, do you remember that time when, and just have I don't know a little token to make it up to him or something like that. I uh, that alone makes now I know, knowing that about Team Darkside Games that makes me excited to see what these guys are going to do. Peter's a great player. Peter is a great player. He's done really well in his in his um, tournaments, and so he's actually the number eight ranked player, um, limited elo, and so and he gets that from performing well in elo events. Um, He's top four, a lot of callings. Also, have, uh, Chris Higashi, who um, top aided some of the old pro quests last year that were attached to um, calling events and did well at US Nationals as well. And so, again, another team, um, pretty, a, a theme of these Division Three teams are teams that haven't had a ton of success uh, team wide, but have had some individual success and are looking to make a name for themselves with their team. Excellent, excellent. Um, and next up, we have Fab Chaos, I believe. Uh, this is the Greek team. Yes, these guys are from Greece. Um, so, pretty cool to have a division of teams that are from literally all over the world. Um, yeah, these are just like this is Greeks' um, all-star team. They have three of the top four guys from their Greek nationals, as well as another guy who top aided. And their their fifth player um, beat them all at a pro quest, and so 
Um, all these guys have been playing with each other for a while. Um, they're good friends, and they um, they're they're the best out of Greece, and so they're looking to put Greece on the map um, with their team. Excellent, excellent. And last but not least, we have the Tavern Brawlers, uh, friends of <clears throat> friends of several members of uh, Team Kitchen Fable, uh, and friends of friends of the channel uh, as well. Uh, we have some notable members. Obviously, uh, Lee is the uh, um, is is kind of the manager of that uh, of the team there. Um, he's the one that does uh, most of the streaming. They just added Alec Mercer onto the team. You see both of those guys uh, uh, both streaming a lot of the uh, the Brawlers events. Uh, Tavern Brawlers, a prolific uh, event holders, constantly holding online constructed uh, tournaments. I'm in fact competing in their CC Armory League as we speak. Four and one. Coming, going into, going into round six of Swiss here. Uh, Eric Ogar Baumgard is uh, just recently won uh, his ProQuest um, in his home state. Uh, they are very similar to uh, Kitchen Fable. I believe they they're very decentralized. Um, I think they're all over the United States and beyond. Uh, Joe Bay Crimson Mist on and on Discord just made a. Uh, the grind of the century uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, here getting into em- every armory event that he could get his hands on in order to qualify for the pro tour. Uh, he was outside. I believe he was in the top 200 worked his way up to very close to the top 100. And in the very last week of eligibility uh, participated in as many armories as it took, but he ended up, uh, just at the cutoff date, somewhere I believe in the top 20, 90 day XP. But he he went from not in it to in it to get his uh, get his pro tour invite at the last second. Uh, there is a lot of um, and obviously Jupiter is the host of the Pub Brews po- uh, podcast and a prolific player in his own right. Um, but they are definitely uh, they are known in the community. Happy to see them on the uh, 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 competing as a team in the league. And uh, definitely, I think, fits the bill of a up-and-coming team looking to uh, put a name, uh, put a give the get a name for themselves uh, against some of this uh, this this top-tier talent. Yeah, these guys are probably one of the team that um, does a lot of content creation. Um, they've been in the game for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have a guy who finished top eight at one of the the New Jersey Calling in 2019. <laughs> so. Um, that was before COVID, um, and so yeah, they've, they've their players have been pretty experienced. Um, and uh, this is actually a team that we originally had to deny into the league, and then last minute had a team drop saying they couldn't um, get get enough guys together for scheduling um, to play games. And so we invited them into the league, um, like literally on the deadline to submit rosters like that on Sunday night, and so. Um, they're excited to be here. Um, I was sad to have to say no to them originally, um, but we were able to create space in the league for them. And so they're looking to prove that they deserve to be in the league and that they deserve to stick around. And so it's, I'm excited to see. I thank them for joining the league last minute and getting some guys together. And then they're also playing to stream most of their games as well. And so 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in the league. Excellent. I think that rounds out all the teams that are playing in uh, in this season. I think that's yeah. a that's a diverse group. Is it international representation? Um, it looks like it's definitely uh, it's got a recipe for uh, some fun competitive action. I think we're looking forward to. Uh, seeing as many as these games uh, as we can. And um, it'll be very interesting to see how they, uh, I, your, your stat tracking throughout the season. I am sure that there's going to be some, some analysis uh, as the season goes about how the teams and different heroes are, are matching up and how the the variety of, uh, of of heroes are, um, are lending themselves to the, uh, uh, to the division, see if there's any kind of you know dark horses that might step up, uh, both in 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 the team way and uh, you know for flesh and blood heroes to uh, step up. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting season. Um, we have five calling champions and five national champions, um, and many players who have top aided all of those events. And so, like this is where you're going to go to find that high level play during the off season. Um, and this is where all the guys who want to continue to grind and continue to see other metas, especially now that we're worldwide, um, this is the place to go to to find all that, um, to watch all that happen. And so I'm excited to see which teams rise up this season, um, move up divisions, and then which um, teams were were, were over-ranked. Um, and so um, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of drama there. We're um, in the middle of week one right now as we record this, and there are already mm-hmm. some results coming in. Um, and so but I think the general feeling is that all these teams have something to prove, and now they're no longer just individual players trying to top eight a big event, but they're a team, and they're trying to put their team on the map. And so um, yep. there's just something about this game that lends itself to the teamwork aspect um, and getting together with the guys that you grind with um, play with and then support them in their matches and trying to compete with them. It's pretty special. Tyler Broughton, we appreciate you coming on to the program here. Um, before we, uh, before we leave here, why don't you uh, plug your socials, plug the league, plug anything else that you'd like. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. So um, like we were talking about earlier, flesh and blood competitive hub, it's on Facebook. Um, I know Facebook isn't the coolest place to go to right now, but it's kind of where we go for flesh and blood um, news and updates. And so um, get, get in the Facebook group, be active, um, post your results from your neck of the woods um, for major events like ProQuest and Road to Nationals, um, and just enjoy the content that people are producing. Um, I'm on Team Kitchen Fable, and so we have a YouTube channel, um, Team Kitchen Fable, we put out competitive content on there, um, put out deck text, put out gameplay videos and gameplay analysis. We'll be streaming some of these um, Division One games for the Team League as well. Um, and so, yeah, go go check them out. They're a wonderful team to be on um, as well. And so, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, on the podcast to kind of promote the league. Um, I'm really excited about this season. Um, we have a lot of potential um, a lot of players, um, a lot of great players. And so I'm excited to see where this goes in the future um, and to see what this league can can develop. And 
Um, LSS, I know that you guys are out there. I know that you're watching the league. You've already messaged me about it, but let's um, let's figure something <laughs> out. Let's find, let's find Ooh, a what way. Did they, hold, hold up, hold up. What did they say? What did they message you about? Nothing exciting. Did... Nothing exciting. All just, right. They just, they just know that it's happening, and they're watching it, um, and they're following along closely to see how awesome. it unfolds and see how the community responds to it. And so That's hey, the stuff um, we love to hear. You know what? Yeah. That's that's super cool though because my thought already is that if for flesh and blood to take off as a big professional competitive endeavor, one thing that's going to need to be established is some sort of league that compares to MPL and Rivals League. And sure. I genuinely think Tyler, you have taken the first steps in trying to promote something like that, and you are a mm-hmm. pioneer uh, in in our world and i really hope that you get to and that is subsequently everyone who participates with you gets to be a part of what could be the inception of our first real sanctioned league yeah that that would ultimately be the the goal at the end of the day is to have something lss sponsored that we can just like the league model is like it's it's by the players for the players like the league like we're trying to put on this league to help our well to help our own social media accounts but to give players content that they can look at and learn from and so Mm -hmm. um i don't know i'm not good at websites or anything um and so i would love to be able to to you know hand it off eventually to people that can just make it something that can be great um, but in, until then, they got me, and we're going to work as hard as we can to get more teams in the league and to get more eyes on this league and to just build up the community through the league because that's what it's all about. makes me excited for potential prize support in the future if they if LSS yeah, that's, you know, that's looks one, at it. That's one thing that um, we don't do is prize support. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did reach out to LSS, and they responded to me saying that they cannot offer any which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, I understand they didn't give me any reasons, but I understand why it's because not, it's not, everyone can't join the league. And so not everyone has access to the prize support. So it wouldn't be right, fair right. to be born accepted. They do have a, they seem to have a, um, a tough time with TTS as well. Sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's honestly why we, we don't have prize support. We mm-hmm. don't charge anyone, anything to be in the league. We don't, um, we don't require death lists to be submitted. Um, we only require them to tell us what hero they're going to be running. Um, and so, it's and teams don't want to don't want that right now. They want prizes, but they don't want to submit deck lists. They don't mm-hmm. want to give up their deck lists for the pro tour because they want to be testing their decks. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just the fact that there's no prize support and there are 18 teams in the league and five more that were not in the league. Like that's pretty crazy. That just shows you the power of, of what it's going to become. Yeah. And that's, that's the power of competition, right? I mean, that's uh, uh you know, bragging, bragging rights mean something uh, in this. And I'm sure, um, you know, I think this, uh, like you said, this is kind of the inception of, of uh, something potentially quite big and to, to, uh, to be able to put your name on, uh, you know, on the proverbial trophy as the winner of 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 this league in Division One, I, I think is gonna gonna carry some weight in the future. Um, so that's exactly. you know that that's worth its that's worth its weight. 
Um, where else are you going to get to play against the likes of Michael Hamilton and Michael Fang and um, you know Tyler Horsepool and these guys? Like, yeah. I might get to play against them. I'll never be able to hit them up. I might be able to, but you know, I'd never be able to play against them normally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and definitely, I'm, I'm sure. You know, as as the season progresses, we're going to be looking at some of those marquee matchups that you know we we might not have been able to see in person, really wanted to, and and now that we have a, a way to kind of curate some of those matchups, um, we'll be able to see some of the top players competing against each other, and that's uh, exactly. uh that's huge, right? That's huge. Last season we got uh, Todd Horsbull versus Sebastian Cavallo, first and second in Vegas, and that mm-hmm. was an exciting matchup as well so yeah excellent it can happen all right adam uh we do have uh we got some plugs of our own that we got to do here we are announcing our combat chain discord combat chain so if you uh if you want a place to hang out uh chat with us uh chat with some friends of the podcast this is the place to hang out. Uh, it's where you're going to be able to stay current with all uh, combat chain announcements, uh, and especially with this with this season of Team League starting up, and the fact that the combat chain will be uh, streaming some of those matches. Uh, this is a great place to stay current with uh, our streaming schedule as matches go live, because uh, sometimes these matches come together last minute, unfortunately and we just shoot up for a live stream right away uh we'll be posting there first and foremost we'll be spreading the news elsewhere as well twitter and um facebook and uh trying to get as much publicity as possible but this is going to be a great place to get first-hand combat chain news on top of that we are on all streaming platforms apple music spotify uh you can also catch us on youtube uh if you want to interact with pat and i elsewhere uh you can find us on twitter uh i am at fom tcg and pat is at pat smash good and we are also at the combat chain we do also have our patreon that we're trying to get going patreon.com forward slash the combat chain that's uh if if you're able to pitch in a dollar or two uh anything helps and it for now just really helps cover our hosting fees and allows us to start focusing on bigger things for uh, the podcast but we won't pay well anything that's not what we're about uh we're just looking for any little bit of help to help us do what we want to do for all of you anything else pat uh, no, I just uh, looking forward to looking forward to the Discord. Uh, obviously, we're big Discord guys, so you, there's going to be opportunity for a lot of interaction from the combat chain to to people who want to to join. Opportunities uh, for some gameplay. I know we're we're definitely looking to get into. Uh, you know, we're we're obviously expanding our scope and visual content on the YouTube channel. Excellent opportunity for friends of the channel to get in uh, and perhaps start, you know, record some games uh, <clears throat> with us. Hint, hint, get in there, and uh, you know, we can we can definitely do do some gameplay. You can interact and give some ideas for the podcast. You know, questions, answers, uh, potential topics, anything that you guys want to be able to discuss with us. That's obviously the avenue uh, that will will uh, give you the most direct route to to the channel and the podcast and uh, just uh, just looking forward to uh, just looking forward to engaging with everybody more we're, we're big discord guys happy to happy to have a combat chain discord and uh, looking forward to 
spamming all my crap in it. Well, are we gonna get? Uh, we got to get Tyler in on the outro. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is becoming this is becoming our thing, right, thing now. All right. So Tyler, I'm gonna say until next week, and then together we're all gonna say we're closing the combat. Ooh, closing chain. the combat chain. Nice. Ready? Okay. Here we go. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode uh, 14 of the combat chain. Uh, until next week, we're we're closing, closing the, the combat, combat chain. chain. Woo!